0: Hey, ya kooks! This episode features Aaron Guyette, a Marine Corps staff sergeant, on it battle ropes master coach, team USA kettlebell athlete, holds four national records, speaker, founder of Leaders of Leaders, a program that develops people's leadership abilities, and the founder of Battle Ropes Education, a platform with battle ropes exercises, information, and upcoming workshops. Aaron's lifestyle is the result of a process of doing what he loves, and throughout this conversation, it's clearly evident. Of particular interest is what Aaron calls post-traumatic growth. As we encounter gradually strenuous psychological stress, our character and coping mechanisms develop farther, and life can feel a little bit easier. If you'd like to check out what Aaron's doing or his battle rope videos, you can find him on social media and at the links in the show notes. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can head over to iTunes or Google Play and rate review the episode. Without any further ado, here's Aaron Guyette.
1: I became a marine. Oh shoot. I mean, that was that was a uh, a very young romantic uh Ideal, uh, in, in my head. And the, the funny part is I didn't think that it was a young romantic ideal when I thought it. I, I, it was a very real, uh, palpable, concrete, um, you know, like I am, I am going to, you know, be a better person, be a better man, uh, be a stronger man for, you know, people that, that, you know, can't be. Um, and I want to learn how to, uh, save the day, so to speak, or, or get, uh, get into situations, uh, that are very difficult, very challenging. And, um, I have to, you know, learn the skills of not only intellect and critical thinking, but also strength and, um, uh, weaponry and, you know, whatever I, I need to know in order to get out of those situations. Uh, and not only get out of those situations, but prevail in those situations. Um, and it's funny. And then you join the Marine Corps and, and everything is totally different. It's just not this <laughs> romantic ideal anymore. It's like day in, day out, struggle, hard work. Uh, you know, the first two years, uh, essentially your quote unquote boot, especially, and, and I, and this is in all the MOSs and, and, you know, you're not supposed to call these people by that name, um, but that's just sort of ingrained in the culture and, and so you're treated very much like you don't deserve anything, um, even just basic respect as a human, um, and, but part of that is, like, you're learning to – what you don't realize is either, A, you can kind of uh, fall and get get crushed by that, um, or, B, you realize that it's actually making you very resilient psychologically, um, as well as all the physical stuff you're doing, you're becoming uh, much more resilient. Either resilient or broken are the two sort of <laughs> like, big things that tend to happen, um, right, uh, In in all of the physical things that you're doing. Um, but it definitely isn't the romantic ideal, and for you know three and a half years, I trained my face off you know, I just trained day in and day out as hard as I can, and then when you get time off your party and you make stupid decisions and things like that um that that I think the the smarter uh or I wouldn't even say smarter, the maybe more resilient, more introspective uh marines realize oh, these decisions aren't profiting me in the long run, um but that's you know that's way down the road for me at at that point. I wasn't really thinking about that, I was just thinking about you know sort of present day self and feelings and, and things like that um and yeah and and three and a half years, I wanted to test all of this training all of this uh understanding, intellect, um, resilient, psycho- psychological resilience, as well as physiological or physical resilience. Um, and then, and honestly, I thought I was going to get out of the Marine Corps at four years and not be able to do it. And that was going to be a big reason why I got out of the Marine Corps is like, shoot, I spent three and a half years or four years training for something that didn't ever end up happening. And then I went to combat and that, um, was even further removed from my romantic ideal of even what combat would be like where you're not saving the day you know every single day again most of it is just this uh trial of difficulty um and even just staying uh awake staying vigilant staying aware of what's going on um to be able to in the very fleeting moments make very last minute or, or make decisions that aren't even, you don't even really have time to make decisions. It's, you're getting ambushed. You're literally getting ambushed. So, so then you're just sort of responding with the training, uh, that, that you were served with. And, and then you, it happens enough times where, you know, okay, now I can actually kind of, you know, start to make critical choices during this, conflict during this uh you know getting shot at or ambushed or uh you know having indirect fire coming in or or whatever um and then before you know it it's all over and you're like wow i just spent four years in this pretty incredible uh but also like largely mundane experience uh called called the marine corps uh and and called being a marine and what what you know, trying to figure out as a twenty—I was what twenty-two at the time—as a twenty-two-year-old, like, okay, what am I going to do with this? Twenty-one? Actually, no, I was 21. 21 year twenty-one-year-old. Like, what am I going to do with this? Like, what, what? Why did that happen? What is going on with my life? Um, I don't know. Is that is that a good is that a good yeah, uh, dude,
2: uh description or story of what? Yeah, yeah. Dude, that that's great. And especially, I'm really interested in when you come out of that. Like, what was your self-talk or? What were the next steps and in, in which you were resolving, you know, what to make of it all? Um, I mean, people are, you know, often at a crossroads of a confusing time in their lives. Yeah. The one that you described is pretty surreal.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. It was a was, trip about it is, so maybe diving a little bit deeper into some of these occasions, <clears throat> um, I literally, like, and part of, part of why I was able to, Move and react and maneuver and respond, uh, to pretty, um, gnarly situations in, you know, getting ambushed or getting, uh, indirect fire shot at us or, or, or whatever, um, and, and think, you know, largely not about my own self-existence or my own life and being able to live. Cause if I was thinking about that, I, I would probably have just curled up into a ball hidden, you know, done something, um, that that probably wasn't very, uh, uh, worth telling, <laughs> uh, you know, but, uh, but, but was able to, you know, t- return fire, was able to move toward the sound of gunfire, um, was able to, you know, look for, uh, gunfire, look for indirect fire, look for, uh, potential threats and, and, um, enemy, you know, at that time. Um, and, and I was able to do that because I honestly, I just, I just had this realization before kind of stepping into the fray of that uh, that I was probably going to die. Like the probability, I thought about the probability. This is like my analytical side, um, and and so I do have a pretty prevalent analytical side. So the probability of me dying was actually fairly small. So I thought that like yeah, the probability of me dying is pretty small. If you if you look at like the probability of death in past conflicts or past wars. Right, and you start comparing them, you realize that, you know, from World War One to World War Two, like the the percentage was pretty low, uh, or got lower of, of your of the fact that you're going to die, um, and then from even World War Two to Vietnam, which is pretty gnarly conflict, um, war, combat um, iteration in our history, uh, the percentage drops even lower. than from there to um, you know, any of the conflicts like going to South America or, or, you know, going to uh, Bosnia or, you know, in the first Gulf war, it's like, man, it's even, it's even more removed. The fact that, you know, people, uh, you know, obviously people died. And so I'm not trying to, you know, wash that and say like, Oh, mm-hmm. it wasn't that bad. Like people didn't die. No people died. It was, oh, it was horrible. Um mm-hmm. And people got injured and people got maimed and, and all those things are horrible. But the percentage Decreased his every single conflict, every single war, and so I was thinking about that, and I thought, ah, oh, my percentage of me dying or or getting blown up or or getting maimed or whatever is pretty pretty low, but I had this like, <clears throat> um, I had a co- actually I had a conversation with uh, God before. I I went across and it was a pretty immature conversation I will I will state that in the beginning of this um and it was well if if you exist then you'll kill me um and then I'll know I'll know like that there's a heaven or there's a hell or there's god or there's you know whatever any of that very metaphysical stuff uh, that we that we talk about um, and, you know, I didn't have any historical idea of any of this stuff, any philosophical idea of any of this stuff. Uh, all of those things were, again, you know, very rudimentary at this point in my life. Um, it was, you know, most of my life centered around like, uh, instantaneous feelings, of, like feeling good, you know, like, oh, I won mm-hmm. this reward. Yay, me. I prize. won this competition. Like, oh, I'm awesome. You know, I got a, mm-hmm. I got a medal. Oh, I'm rad. Oh, I got in trouble for underage drinking. I suck. Yeah. You know,
2: like, like it's just cream, very, it,
1: yeah, exactly. So, very, very basic, uh, rudimentary understanding. And so, then my, and for whatever reason, <clears throat> my thought was, I'm going to step into this, even though the probability of my death is, is shrinking by the, the, the yeah. understanding of how conflicts go. Um, this is at the very beginning 2003 push to Baghdad you know like jumping across the border from Kuwait to Iraq and then shooting up to Baghdad and then I did a bunch of security missions to and from uh Baghdad bringing up logistics supply trains and, and stuff like that um, as a as a basic inventory grunt right in mounted on a Humvee and uh, and I, I did countless uh you know Square footage, it would probably be in the hundreds of thousands of square feet, maybe even in the millions of square feet that I cleared from Al-Bazra, which is like uh, Iraq's uh, port city all the way up to Baghdad and all the cities, um and little dwellings and stuff in between. <clears throat> um, and, and, and none, and, and for whatever reason I was like, I'm gonna skip all the probability. I, I just had this like feeling deep in my gut that I was gonna die, but then the the beauty of that in my pretty immature mind was I'm gonna then discover what is after life. Um which mm-hmm. I still you know and now I have I have my idea, my beliefs about that and I think mm-hmm. I um I've done a lot of poking and a lot of prodding and a lot of try to really understand philosophically, you know, where I come from with that and and what my beliefs are in that. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to turn this into like a proselytizing or, or evangelizing moment. It it was, Mm -hmm. it was more like, man, if you, so if you escape death thinking that you're going to die, how gray does now the whole world become? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't get a black, I don't get a white, I don't get an answer, I don't get a yes or a no. And essentially, that should have been my answer. I should have stopped right there. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. God doesn't exist. But then the problem is, like, even even in that, it was like, well, then what's the point of all this? Like, why am I even here, you know? And so what I did was I decided to follow the um very normal societal mores uh and and beliefs of like how life should be so it's like i got out i got uh, you know i got married um i got a job i uh you know drove to and from my house to this job and made money and um you know i i look back on it and I, and i don't think that's a bad way to go i i you know i think that man there's like been some pretty incredible people that I've met that have had fairly, you know, lived fairly mundane lives. Um, but, you know, they are still incredible people, or they've provided some sort of incredible intellect or impact in my life. Um, mm-hmm. and, but if you look at the outset of their life, it's like, oh, it just seems like a pretty normal, normal existence. But for me, it's like, that, I, I couldn't handle that. Like, part of it was, you know, this post, post trauma stuff of not only combat, but then like stuff in my childhood and like, you know, am I masculine? Am I a good guy? Am I a good person? Uh, you know, why are we here? You know, everything kind of turned to this sludgy gray aftermath. And it was, uh, it was a pretty like sad, pretty sad time for me. And so then what I did was what a I think a normal 20 stupid year old would do is I just went to, to to the things that created the most feeling in my life. So violence, uh sex, uh you know alcohol, drugs, um and then even good even like seemingly good things from societal standpoint, right? Which those could have a connotation of bad. Um but good things like Worked really hard and and made a pretty good paycheck. Like rose into the ranks of this corporate uh, structure that I was inside of. Right, I I started as just a basic, um, you know, everyday uh, logistics rep or whatever. Then became a lead. Then became a supervisor. Then was you know on the path to becoming a manager. Um, when. I think my bad decisions outside of the corporate world and outside of my, uh, you know, wanting to grow a good, healthy, positive family and a good, healthy home and all these things. I, I was also, I was kind of burning the candle on both ends, like burning the good candle and burning the bad candle. And what ended up happening is the bad caught up to the good. And I, I ended up in jail. I got arrested. I was like, uh, I was like drinking and fighting and I was like defending my wife and, um, and it, you know, I could say it was post-traumatic stress disorder. I could say, you know, all these things, but really at the end of the day, like it didn't matter. It was still a choice that I made, um, to be there, to be in a bad situation. It was a choice that I made, uh, to do, you know, to try to defend my wife and, and whatnot, but ended up in jail. And that's when like all, like all these moments of choice that I had sort of like almost like smashed me
2: and,
1: and made me think like, okay, what, like, what the hell are you doing? Like, what, why are you making any choices? Any of these choices? And, and, and then, then began, I think, my journey to really understand, like, okay, why is it, why are we here? Like, what, what are we, what are we doing with this life? Like, why, like, is, is it supposed to just be this gray, uh, monochromatic existence? Or can we actually make a change? Can we make a difference? Can we help people? Can, and 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 then that began my journey of like really trying to understand how to help people, how to love people, how to love myself. Um and yeah, so that that was that was – I would not recommend that to anybody because <laughs> so you're like, yeah, people find themselves in that situation all the time. What I wouldn't do <laughs> is I wouldn't burn the candle at both ends. I wouldn't end up in jail just so you can get an answer. I wouldn't throw yourself headlong into combat. Um, you know, I wouldn't assume your death. Uh, I don't think that those are um, the right – because they're pretty traumatic, you know, moments. Um, I think that we can slowly and steadily, what I've learned since then – is I think that we can slowly and steadily add right decision on right decision on right decision on right decision. Um, and you know, slip up here and there, but uh, largely you're making better decisions, creating better habits, creating better behaviors. And then, uh, that that will turn into a, a better existence that will be and it will be hard. It will suck. It will be counter cultural, even. Um, you know, like certain things that I've done is like, uh, you know, oh, you don't. You don't just put all of your uh you don't just hedge all of your bets onto a dream or onto a purpose or onto values. Um, you sort of hedge your bets on what everybody else has done and, and sort of made it. Um and that's where I will disagree. I'm like, no, I think if you establish deep and and um solid beliefs, deep and solid purpose, yeah that even in the, even in the midst of failure, even in the midst of, of discomfort and trials and, and tribulations, you do hedge your bets on those things because, um, those things have been tried and tested throughout the history of humanity and, and have come up not wanting, have have come up in reward, have come up in, um, receiving some sort of profit or dividend or, or, uh, what have you from that. Whereas, everything else has been tried throughout human history. And it's it, every time it comes up, sound wanting, it comes up like un, un, you, you feel unfulfilled. You're not satisfied. Uh, you're, you're constantly trying to, you know, get more money, have more sex, do more drugs, you know, whatever the case might be, drink more alcohol um, to fulfill this you know, like sort of hedonistic end. And the problem is like, that, that's, that's a, a the, that will never be that's a that's a gap or a void that i don't think will ever be filled um but i think there are some principles there are some uh beliefs that uh, we can just stay very sturdy on very, stay very um that even though they suck and even though sometimes they're countercultural and and sometimes it's hard and sometimes you will still find yourself in a bad situation uh we can lean on those things and through and time will time will uh, allow us to discover that those things are actually fruitful they do bear fruit they are uh they will create reward um not and not only for yourself but for all of humanity
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there is something to be said and certainly for um that moment when well, i mean difficult but we don't cling to life right or or even the immediate pleasures like you uh like overindulgence or you do things based off of the fear of security, right? And you're afraid to make yeah. the necessary sacrifices despite fears and I mean, obviously like like you said before, when you're put into these extreme circumstances, you know, it's like a make or break. It's like a sink or swim. And in those moments yeah. it's almost as if you're sprinting and you're creating like the uh adaptations due to the extreme effort which will help your day to day you know existence. Um and I would say that like I'm not necessarily uh, religious or spiritual. However, I do have a lot of um, it, outside interest in it because yeah. there's definitely something to be said for when someone takes principles, you know, whether it's like the Bhagavad Gita um, or like the Old Testament, New Testament, um, you know, all the other religious texts. Um, you you t- you're telling a story over time, and things are removed and things are kept. But, I mean, as an entire species, you're telling the story. And with a collective consciousness, it's decided, you know, what is useful and what is not. And it evolves over time as we evolve, you know. And even if people don't um, take it on the merit of the religion itself, but taking it on the merit of collective consciousness, I mean, that's something. And I've had that experience even reading, like, the Book of Five Rings with mustachi right? Um, and he talks even about... um like not indulging in food, right? Like not having these over indulgences to the point to where you depend on them and then said dependence in the pursuit of those indulgences, if you're going to take just those to the top, like not accentuating your experiences, but if you're like, um, you know, I drink and I'd love to drink and a good time is like only drinking, right, is the yeah. act of drinking. Not like, well, maybe I might drink, you know, when I do this or maybe I might not um yeah the only way to the top of that is destruction it's the same with food if you're like you wait for oh, yeah. the weekend to go and eat ice cream and mm-hmm. like ice cream's great now and then you know as a, a surprise but if you hold that in the highest regard the only end to that right the only supreme amount of like fulfillment or gratification is to have more and in those scenarios it's not um it's not sustainable, and I've been yeah. trying to organize myself because I have had addictive tendencies in the past, whether it's food mm-hmm. or uh, marijuana, um, not with alcohol, but and I still smoke uh, weed, but I quit for four years, and then coming back into it, I had a different relationship with it. Instead of it's like, this is what I do every night, or this is what I yeah. do to have fun when I watch a movie, it's like... <clears throat> oh yeah, maybe I'll try this tonight. Or maybe I won't. Even coffee is the same way now. I've you know, I only have coffee once or twice a week, maybe even more, but and not having it because I need it. I'm having it to perhaps accentuate an experience and um otherwise yeah. it's always been like a destruction. I'll get adrenal fatigue if I have to have coffee yeah. every morning. Um and I'll end up like throwing up because I mean I'll start having it in excess. Um, and yeah. I've struggled with this because I've had addicts in my life and they're like, I drink alcohol like all the time, like my son's mom for instance, right? And I would, I thought that I guess is this some like demigod, right? Or some just narcissistic individual that I could like help because I knew the way despite what they wanted, right? And yeah. um I realized that despite me not, you know, doing these things that were destructive, I was addictive. I had addictive tendencies in relationships and food. I was never above that, yeah. and like I could feel the pool, And it's always fascinated me, like what that was and how to organize myself. And that's where um, exercise even came in because I met some friends who are ultra runners, and I'm trying to get into ultra running myself. Um, yeah, and I was like, "That this is good. Let me do exercise." So I got to the point yeah. where. If I would compulsively exercise, so if I didn't, if I had to go to an appointment and exercise, I would like miss sleep for it, or I'd be frustrated if I couldn't. And I mean, wouldn't that be a yeah. definition of addiction if I'm like yeah. foregoing my needs in order to fulfill this thing that's not necessarily necessary? So what if I skip today?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, dude. I think that it's such a good um, mental exercise to think about, like, okay. It, like, if I, if I take this whatever thing, and the, the, the problem is, like, oftentimes we could, like yourself and myself, we can find examples where we didn't do this mentally, we just actually did this, <laughs> like, where this actually yeah. became an addiction and it became a problem, but it's a great mental exercise, like, hey, if I do this to excess, is it going to, you know, is it going to profit me? Is this, is this going to help me? Is this going to be a healthy version of me? And, and you're right, like, man. Like, whether it's Musashi saying it or, you know, some pretty intelligent, uh, humans in, in not only our history, but in present day are saying the same thing. It's like, nah, like most things we're not going to want to do in excess. Uh, if we, as, as we do them in excess, they're, we're, we're going to become shells of ourselves because, like you said, we're, we're giving up certain things that we need, like we actually need to function uh whether from a physiological standpoint or a psychological standpoint in order to get another quote unquote hit of whatever. And the, and the, and the crazy thing is like, I'm a, I'm a proponent of exercise, but not to the point of, you know, excess. There can, like you said, man, there can be a point where it's too excessive and now you're going to actually, you know, not only break down, you know, muscle fiber, um, but you can actually have like vital organs shut down. I mean, you can walk this thing out where, um, and, and I think there is, the the problem is like, we don't also know that the line, you know, there, mm-hmm. I think there's a line where like nobody's even getting close to the line of excess or, or, you know, in certain, uh, functions of, of exercise or certain functions of, uh, of doing something that's physiologically difficult or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we think that, oh, we've crossed the line, you know minutes ago or we crossed the line, you know, hours ago, or, you know, depending on the context, obviously context is key here, but, um, but it's like, man, you didn't even get close to the line. Like you didn't even come up to the line. Like that wasn't hard. Like you're just made it hard mentally so that you could allow yourself to quit or you could allow yourself to give up. Um, but yeah, but again, if you're, like you said, if you're giving up needs on a constant and consistent basis, Um, you know, things that you need to have to function a normal, in a, in a normal life. Like, yeah, at that point, now it's become excessive and, and you have crossed the line and and this is not gonna help you and you're not gonna be able to help anybody else either because you're, you're gonna be broken, you know, and and we can look at this from even a, you know, relational, like you were saying, like bad relationships are relational standpoint. It's like, at some point, like, is, is this, is this relationship now, becoming a part of you so much that you're giving up things that you need to do for yourself so that you can be a better functioning adult, better functioning human, uh, and, a, and, a, and a mature one at that, you know, for this other person, whether it's emotionally, intelligently you know, and whatnot, um, that now you're not, you're not even doing that. Like you're not only hurting yourself, but you're hurting the person that you're trying to like essentially suck. Uh the life out of so that you have an existence because uh, your purpose is found in her or him or it or whatever
2: um yeah,
1: man, we can get caught in that trap in so many areas of our life for
2: sure, and that even is a testament too is like sitting down and spending time trying to you know uh rot out your purpose and in values you know before, before almost anything um when you were talking about. Like you know going over um going to war right there was something yeah. interesting. it seemed like you had to confront a lot of aspects of yourself that if you just get up kind of um you know I don't want to be grudge it, but go to work and then come home and you know clean the house and then rinse loud, or repeat that you wouldn't experience however i have um actually wouldn't experience in that scenario because uh, it's not like as demanding or extreme uh psychologically and physi- physiologically. Um, However, when I've been getting into athletics, um, I've had experiences like psychological um, adaptations, I suppose, to stress to the point to where if my son's like having a hard time or life's getting overwhelming um, because of my training, it it has allowed me to cope with it um, extremely well and things that would overwhelm me like even saying like cleaning my car, for instance or cleaning my cleaning my house, maintaining all my bills, those things are easy. And I would never have thought that, like, strength training or running um, would change any of that. Um, you've been training since you were 14 years old. Am I right? Yeah. And how well, does, yeah, maybe, um, and maybe
1: a little bit before that. I
2: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I'm trying to do with my son, not like a militant way, just exposing it to him and kind of presenting it as its play. But um how has um strength and conditioning affected your uh, your mindset and your coping skills?
1: Yeah, that's uh I mean, dude, uh, so I probably I started running and I looked at it like training, like when I was yeah, as young as what, 12, 13, 14 years old. Um and 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 but, the thing is, I wasn't like training for an athletic event or what like I was training for life. I was like, you know like hey if if we get put in this like I was a prepper before prepping was cool, you know like <laughs> and I, and and I don't know what it was that like spun my my psych, my psyche to and my mindset to think like oh and I think all humans kind of have this like dark uh piece of of them um where like oh man. Bad stuff ha- is happening. Bad stuff has happened. Bad stuff could happen to me. I don't want it to happen to me. And then, but we cope with it in different ways, right? And so in my way, like it was like, oh, I'm going to prep. I'm going to have a go bag, like even when I'm, you know, 13 years old or whatever. And then, <laughs> and I'm going to, and I'm going to run. Uh, and I'm going to like also climb and, you know, go out in nature and try to learn how to survive and, and all these things, whatever. Um, but yeah, probably, so, most of that it's like yeah i I, I might have been going a little bit far in my coping mechanism of, of what I'm like trying to uh, cope with, which is like you know seeing humanity as as like a this fallen broken thing that's that could potentially collapse on me, and then i you know but I don't want to die um which i don't I don't know if I necessarily have that perspective anymore i don't mm-hmm. i I think that we are progressing um you know, and and even just like violent terms. If you just look at uh violent and violence in terms of history and now, like yeah, we we see a lot of violence on the media, and so the media does a great job of amplifying it and making it seem like it's happening all around us all the time. But if you actually look at the numbers, like instances of violence have dramatically dropped, right? Um, comparatively to even a hundred years ago, let alone 200 years ago, let alone 2000, let alone 8,000, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was sort of my coping mechanism. And, and, but running was cool in that it taught me that, hey, man, like, one, we, we prog- we do progress like physiologically, but also psychologically. Uh, when we do hard things and I, and I think that that's kind of to, to the point that you were getting at, right. Is like, man, like, can I, can I have my kids train, but in a quote unquote play type way, um, where it's, but it's teaching him like mindset type lessons or life lessons about, uh, resilience and the ability to, you know, push through barriers, not just phys- physically and physiologically, but, but psychologically or, or mentally with mindset. And I think that was the biggest thing that I got out of training. Um, and I, the funny thing is I thought I, w- I prepared myself for boot camp, which uh, from a physical standpoint, I did. Like I actually got out. I was like probably one of very few Marines that I know that actually got out of shape going to boot camp, right? Oh, wow. Uh Physically, right. So, physiologically, I got out of shape. Uh, I was deconditioned comparatively to the condition that I brought myself to before going to boot camp. So, this means I was like, I was training fairly significantly, right? If you're comparing a, a 16, 17 year old to what then they go through in boot camp at 18 years old, and I got deconditioned, I must have been fairly conditioned. But the thing was, psychologically, I, I, I did not, I did not prepare myself to the level that I thought I needed to, um, because, uh, there were, there were instances, there were moments where I was like massively hit with humility and you know, massively like had, had things like taken away from me. Uh, it was culturally, it was like a, it was a crazy shock. Um, I just wasn't ready for it. And, and I don't, I don't know if I could have prepared, but the beauty of the physical training was the physical training actually helped my mindset—it's like I, I created the same exact mindset that I did when I ran. So that when I when I ran and I got fatigued or tired, it was like I'm just gonna make it. To, I just gotta run to that pole. I've just gotta run. I just gotta. I just gotta take ten more steps. I just gotta do ten more breaths. I gotta do you know this many more reps or you know whatever the case might have been. Um, and so then that became my mindset in boot camp. It was like, oh man, I just got to make it. I just got to make it to the next hour because the next hour is two hours away from chow. And then chow, I get to sit down and relax for just even if it's only a couple of minutes. I get to sit down and relax, eat food, feel good <laughs> for a second, and then jump back into the fray of this. How like you know horrible uh, or, or difficult it was for for me and and my you know my fairly immature and, and still developing mind was experiencing. Um, and then that lended itself to moments later in my training where, like, I had a 115-pound pack on my back. I was only a 170 pounds, 165 pounds, and wet, right? So I had a pack on that was almost as much as me. And I had to, you know, part of the, the training uh, for this competition that we were, that me and this, uh, b- my buddy uh, were getting into was to run with this pack for three miles and it was a timed, it was a timed run. Well, I mean, dude, it's hard to even walk with that much weight on your back for three miles, let alone run, but you get to the point where It is a mental thing where you, man, you you learn, hey, your body isn't going to break. It it didn't break and it's getting stronger. And, but more, more importantly, just, hey, just take one more step. Just make it to that pole. Just do, you know, and then that even lent itself to, I actually had an even more, difficult challenge in uh, a later, it's called the Hector A capsular a challenge. And it was funny. They did an experiment on the, on the Marine Corps with our platoon to see if they were going to do it again. And, and basically the whole platoon failed so miserably that they're like, yeah, we're not going to, we're, we're not going to put any other Marines through this. This is too, too challenging for this, for just a basic inventory man, maybe, maybe a good challenge for like a reconnaissance Marine or somebody who's had a little bit more training or, but the thing is like me and three other guys actually made it through this challenge. And it was a, it was a 48 hour challenge. And I'll tell you, like, I wanted to quit on hour three, you know, and, and to be able to make it then the rest of the, you know, 45 hours after that on not enough sleep, not enough food, um, Again, it was a testament to what you said, like the, the training uh, that I started to do when I was a kid. And the thing is, like, you got to progressively overload that, I guess. You can't just, like, you know, I can't, I can't go from completely untrained to, to 48 hours. I don't know. Maybe you could if it was a dire circumstance, you know. Um <laughs> Uh, maybe the human, you know, I, I believe the human mind is pretty dang powerful and can do some pretty amazing things, um, within reason. But, uh, cool. but yeah, for sure. Change the whole, change my whole mindset on not only physical, but mental
2: things and just creating new perspective. I mean, with, with any kind of, uh, uh, growth, right. Uh, whether it's uh, psychological or physical, it's just like weightlifting and you, know? you can't you expect to be able to deadlift 400 pounds on your first go. Yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely. So absolutely gradual and even you look at people who like one of the biggest reasons for injury um physically right would be uh arguably going too hard too fast and yeah. you even argue that uh the equivalent of mental injury which would be trauma right is too hard too fast yeah
1: yeah and then, well so and so I believe though that there is uh there is instances because I've kind of walked them out. Um, and, but here's the hard part, like how do you set up a laboratory to create these moments and then guarantee growth? Cause I believe, you know, I believe it, just as much as I've had PTSD, I also have had PTG. So post-traumatic growth. Um, and so, yeah, for the most part, you need to set up uh, principles values uh boundaries uh and then progressive overload neurologically if if you will um, to kind of go into that um but then i think there are we can take advantage of moments uh where there where there is trauma but then redirect um and create growth out of that and so a lot of that's going to be then perspective it's going to be our own psychology you know going into it uh, our own belief systems kind of going into it um and and that that stress might also be there might be some physiological stress that's uh felt or endured uh through that moment uh whether you know it's getting blown up uh getting shot at running uh you know jumping uh, trying to lift four hundred pounds even though you can't lift four hundred pounds, not being able to move something, moving something you know there's all these uh these weird instances where, where we can sort of try to generate that. Um, but the cool part, so I'm actually, uh, and I wasn't even thinking I was going to talk about this, but then I might as well talk about this. So in May, uh, I'll be a part of something called the process where it's basically these tier one special operator, uh, guys from Canada, Who've joined forces with uh, some psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, as well as kind of created an environment that's very much like a special forces experience. Um, and special operators uh, or special forces operators uh, undergo this same kind of scenario, obviously over a longer period of time. Um, but our so our whole goal in this is we're gonna, we want to open up a, a sort of a special forces experience or a, a special experience. Um, for the layperson or for the for a civilian so that we can at least position a traumatic experience toward growth. Now, obviously, Mm -hmm. that growth is – we're not going to be able to dictate how that growth happens, what grows uh, for each person, how they're going to respond to it, how they're going to react to it, um, because everybody's going to come in with their own beliefs, their own behaviors, their own ideas, um, and their own expectations, and then all of those things are probably going to be smashed you know, in a crucible of, of physical and and psychological, uh, instances. Um, but then the whole time there will be a staff, um, and I get to be a part of the staff as the the fitness uh, person. And, um, and we will be taking notes and we will give people. So even if you fail, even if you don't make it, that doesn't mean that growth didn't happen. Um growth still could have happened even even with failure, right? And we experience this in small doses with working out and stuff, as well as I think psychologically with willpower and things like that. But uh we will be taking copious, copious notes on each person's decisions, actions, reactions, and then we will give each person that goes through what we're calling uh the process. Um we're giving them uh, a a personalized uh psychological evaluation. Um, and we call it a a P2P. Um, and so it's basically, this is, this is the way not only your mind, uh, worked kind of coming into this, these are some of the tests that we run and you've taken and whatever, but this is also, this is how you responded and reacted when, when you were at, you know, your end when you, when this was, when you were confronted with this, when you were in. So it's a myriad of, of events, not only physiological or, or, physically difficult, but also psychologically demanding. Um, because one, we want to ex, experiment and, and experience this and see, but also two, we believe because we've been a part of post-traumatic growth. Like post-traumatic growth has happened to every single cadre person on um, on the staff and and so and we want that for other people uh the hard part is like we don't get to decide again how they grow um that will be something that they'll end up having to decide um and probably not make, like raising their hand and being like i'm going to decide to change this way it'll probably just happen to people um mm-hmm. you know much like a, a psychedelic experience or something like that um <clears throat> which you know they've actually shown what MDMA has helped in post traumatic stress disorder uh patients um not only military but also uh, non military um and so we're hoping that hey we can we can give people an experience and create boundaries where hey you're you know the chances of you dying and getting injured are low because we know what we're doing um you know extremely low like much lower than a combat <laughs> situation or something like that mm-hmm. um we're not saying that we can remove all risk because nobody can do that but um but we want to remove as much risk as possible give you as much chance of, as, as possible to experience uh true post traumatic growth um because mm-hmm. hey you're sick and tired of being sick and tired or whatever the case might be um so yeah it's mm-hmm. it, you can find it at the And, uh, yeah, I'm just honored and, and actually completely humbled to be like in a peer
2: group with these
1: specimens of men (laughs) that are, that are going to be
2: delivering this. Um, but yeah. I'll be sure to put that in the show notes too. And that is like, that is so exciting because that's the, um, thing that I talk to people about a lot is where they like make compromises, you know, because it might be too hard or too, uh, too daunting of a task to do whatever it is. Yeah. wish that they could do right and that's like yeah. the majority of people that i encounter with the minority is the people who just do it anyways for whatever reason yeah. and that's what i saw. It was like the, the biggest thing is is with, with mindset because it's simply perspective but there isn't really yeah. that much opportunity to you know um push yourself mentally or um specifically for mental growth and yeah, yeah that, that's awesome it's uh what's that website again
1: so the special dot com Experience. right. and yeah it's, it's it's the is the part of a part of that if you remove the the you won't get to it so it's, yeah the special dot com yeah it's um and it's called the process uh that's what we're calling it and and basically we're we're not trying to we're not trying to accelerate we're just creating an environment, and then you put your behavior into that environment. Um and we know that this is gonna be a very, uh, uh demanding environment and it's gonna put all of your behaviors to, the, all of your beliefs, all of your intelligence, and all of your physio- physiological self to its limits, um in hopes that you're gonna, you're gonna have, uh, traumatic growth, uh, and, and which, again, like you said, it doesn't normally happen. Honestly, most of the time, Um, in all, it's funny, all of my post-traumatic growth sort of scenarios, actually, I found that I had better growth afterwards when I just continued to make certain decisions, even when they seemed mundane and seemed, you know, like you were saying with, uh, with your, with your kid doing like, you know, basic tasks or whatever it's like, but now you're, you're, you can easily do them because you've done really hard things. So, Hey, my perspective has shifted on this. Like now this is easy. Um, it's the same thing for me. Like some of the, some of the trauma, I wouldn't wish on anybody, but at the same time, it gave me sort of an edge in that now it's like, well, all I have to do is experience these little micro doses of trauma or these micro doses of difficulty or challenge. Um, and if that's it, like, and I just have to do this every day, like, okay, sign me up. Like not a big deal. At least I don't have to, you know, get shot at every single day or, or, uh, you know, go through the Hector A. Cafferata challenge every day or, you know, something like that. Um, and so then, you know, like I've, I've put it on myself. It's like, okay, you could read a book a quarter. Now try a book a month. Okay. Now try two books a month. Okay. Now try three books a month. Okay. Now try a book a week, you know? And, and so now like, and that took me forever to get to that point where I could read a book a week. Um, but it, it wouldn't have happened if there wasn't this progressive overload. And the thing is I could have just gotten frustrated on day one. It's like, well, book reading sucks. So I'm just not even going to read books. Like this is hard. It's hard to chop out this time. I'd rather, you know, drink or I'd rather, uh, party or I'd rather, you know, play with uh, this or do that. and And I'm not saying, you know, any one of those things are like, uh, Wrong, like yeah, I think we should play, I think we should have fun, I think we should party or whatever, but it it, it became about priority for me and and perspective, like you said, so those perspective and priority hey do i do I want to get better in this area of my life or in this area of understanding, yeah, well, I'm not going to do it by you know. Doing this thing or doing that thing or watching TV or, you know, whatever, all the other things that I could have decided to do, even working out or whatever, it's like, no, I've gotta, I've gotta sit and, and read for this period of time so, so that I can get, get a handle on this whole book in this quarter, you know, in these three months or, you know, and now it's, now it's almost easy, like I, I read a book a week and it, and it's, it seems so easy, but I, I know how hard it was for me to get to the point where I could, Read a book a week. You know, it was very difficult, very trying,
2: very, um, challenging. I completely agree. Uh, physically, that I would meet people who are ultra runners and I would talk to, you know, them about, or we, I'd talk about them with my friends, um, who don't run at all. Um, some of them are even jujitsu players and they're like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. I don't know how they could do that. How can an 80 year old lady run 100 miles? And I'm like, like, looking at them and they're, you know, brown belts and jiu-jitsu it's like it's just one step at a time man you can easily become unrecognizable to your former self and i mean that's yeah. what it, the human human being is, is so incredible really just life in general or i mean uh species in general because through like slow introduction to change um you can become you adapt so well that we can be completely unrecognizable in our capabilities uh psychologically and physiologically um, like, yeah. you know, for me, I grew up, I was 125 pounds and running down the street would, you, I hated it and it was misery. I'd want to puke and now, you know, I could run 20, 30 miles and it's fun. Yeah. conveying that to people when, whenever they confront like this hardship. That's why I think that, um, with well, that program that you were talking about, the process, is so great because that's almost like with everything. Whatever you're staring down at the face, it's intimidating. Through slow, gradual change, right, with consistency, and literally anything is possible. I mean, you could be a Tony Robbins. You can be, uh, you know, Courtney DeWalter, an ultra runner, um, some a 10th planet guy, you know, someone like yourself. Like No one is, you know, um, incapable of that. And I mean sure you have limitations, but I'd argue we probably don't you actually don't, because there's even people without legs who do, you know, wild stuff, climbing rock and you know, participating in wrestling and stuff like that. I mean like literally limitations are exactly how you stuff them. Yeah,
1: and and yeah, I think you're absolutely you're right. And yeah, you have limitations, uh, but how but how limiting are those limitations? You're right. It's like <laughs> we, we, we make them far more limiting than what they actually are. You know, like, okay, yeah, we have gravity, um, which is a limit you know, that, that can be seen as a limitation. It can also be seen as, as something to help me, but it can be seen as a limitation if I want to fly, but I can then, you know, we figured out a way to fly even in the face of these pretty like stark and real, limitations. Um, and granted, like I'm not going to flap my arms and fly. Um, but I, I'm going to innovate, create, understand, um, and, and then through putting on my, you know, coveralls and work working and actually then putting that stuff to practice and day in and day out, figure out a way to boom now. Okay. We've got planes, we've got jets, we've got helicopters, we've got all these things that are Essentially, you know, defying this gravity. Um, but but the thing is, it's now it's now it's not seen as the limitation that it once was. Um, and but yeah, you're right. We can only we can only get to that if we we have to shift our perspective. And it's okay. Let's not let's stop focusing on the limitation. Let's focusing on okay, what can I do? What are the things that I can do? And man, I tell you, like sitting in the jail cell, like that was the main thing that was going through my head. It's like, okay, I'm in a pretty crappy spot right now. <laughs> this is not going to, uh, clearly this is not going to end well in the short term. Uh, you know, in an hour from now, I'll probably still be here. Um, in the, in the, you know, moderate term, like, okay, a couple of months from now, I, it's probably still not going to be all that great. Right. I, I might, I might have, you know, potentially lost my job. I might have uh put myself in a predicament where it will be difficult for me to get a job um <clears throat> now- gr- granted thankfully you know i um like now it's it's been more than a decade um almost a decade and a half since that happened, and I am like completely unrecognizable comparatively to my old self like I have gone the exact opposite direction and um and yeah it was it was because. I started thinking about like each decision that I make to include the way i'm going to see this experience, the way i'm going to perceive even the limitations that are you know clear and evident and around me, but just because there are limits doesn't mean that we can't overcome those limits doesn't mean that we can't overcome those those issues um, but it's going to take day in and day out you know and 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 probably. A lot of those steps will be difficult, frustrating, challenging, annoying. um, And they're going to make you want to go back to your old behaviors and your old self. And it's funny, like human progress has happened despite the, I think, general rule that people kind of stay the same and just continue to do the same stuff day in and day out. Um, But yet we've still somehow figured out a way to progress and get better and be better humans to each other and and uh you know innovate and create and invent um some pretty amazing things and it's funny like each each invention each uh each innovation carries with it a new set of limitations or a new set of issues and a new set of but then therein lies uh, that process again where it's like no you're just gonna we're gonna keep stepping this out yep that's there there is a limitation but that doesn't that limitation isn't me you know, um, the limitation is just, it's there and we're going to figure out a way up around it, over it, through it,
2: you know, something. And reflecting on my quality of life. That's the thing that I'm finding that I love the most and that the people that I've interviewed who've, you know, pursued or obsessed over specific things, um, have enjoyed the most, which is having problems to solve and overcoming yeah. and struggle and just that, like that stress and recovery, that whole cycle. I mean it's almost like it's a universal principle right Yeah no
1: dude I I'll, I'll tell you I I look forward to work I like I love work um because and so work is a, a reminder that things are hard work is a is a reminder that you know things are going to suck whatever but um I I like my happy place <clears throat> one of my one of my uh greatest happy places I have this uh I have like this 10 acre backyard. That's like kind of on a sloping hill or whatever. And so I've been hand digging a trail on this, uh, on this 10 acre Then it traverses like back and forth and back and forth. And, and so I could, I mean, obviously it's not going to last, the trail isn't going to last forever, but it's, it's taken me now. I've been there a year. I've lived there for a year. It's taken me a year and I've, I've chopped out almost a mile, on, on trail, and there's there's large months will go by where I c- either can't work on it because of weather or I can't work on it because I'm traveling and teaching and, and doing other things. um but I'll tell you it's my happy place because it's physically arduous, hard work. Um I get a workout out of it. It's my like low aerobic capacity you know workouts. Um, it's very functional <laughs> um, but but then there's moments where it's like You know, I, I run into bramble bushes or a rock or a tree falls on the trail or, you know, something like that. Um, and it's, and it's a, it's such a great reminder of life because, you know, at, at some point I am going to make that next foot or 10 feet or, you know, 100 yards, uh, of trail. It's going to happen. It's just, and it might not happen in the time that I expect it. But it's going to happen because I'm going to continue to pursue relentlessly, um, regardless in the face of all the obstacles, all the challenges, all the stuff. And I've, and I, and I've got to form it one step at a time, one, one shovel full at a time, one pickaxe, uh, you know, hit at a time. Uh, it, it's, it's not going to just be given to me. I've got to earn it. Um, I don't know. It's just so incredible. And then when I, like even now, like I, I can go and run this amazingly beautiful trail out in nature, which is what I love. Um and, and I, and then I get to also, you know, reap this in, in like kind of intrinsic reward or great feeling of satisfaction of, man, I, like I did this and I did this with my bare hands, like by myself, you know, every once in a while I'll get some help with a, a friend or something like that, but most of the time it's just by myself out there, just working away, sweating, you know, uh and and the funny thing is old me and most probably people would have seen that as like stupid, annoying, frustrating. I'm telling you I every single time I I whack the, you know, put the shovel in and dig out a piece of dirt or or hit the pick pickaxe or pickmatics down uh, into the into the dirt. There it's with a smile on my face. Like I just it's like this is work, this is hard, this is supposed to suck, but it doesn't even suck to me. Like this is awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's beautifully put, man. Um and uh I do want to be respectful of your time. Uh so is there uh where can people find out more about um your projects um and your coaching?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh um battle ropes exercises is my main sort of Instagram uh where i you know i talk through physics and 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 fitness and uh metabolic pathway conditioning and i use the rope to kind of describe that and and display that um which is a completely different tool in that it's uh, tends to not be bound in gravity uh, i mean it is but it's but that's not how we create power output from it so it's kind of a cool place to seek out some fitness stuff uh and then as well you can add to that battleropes.org um is my website and then if you want to look at some of the some of my perception and perspective on uh building leaders you know not just gleaning followers but leaders actually building into developing and and paying into other leaders and and creating other leaders so leaders of leaders uh, you can find that on my Instagram leaders of leaders as well as the website leadersofleaders.org and then personally, if you want to be annoyed by the pictures of my daughter or soon to be son, um, which is coming any hour now, any day, any day now, um, as well as I'll put some other, you know, maybe philosophical stuff, scientific stuff, uh books that I'm reading or whatever on my Instagram, Aaron Guyette. Um, it's just A A R O N G U um, Y E T T, and that Instagram is. Uh, I, I try to post to it every day. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna post. About that trail, actually today I've I've been waiting, uh, I've been doing work this morning, and excited about my chance to go out there and dig some more trails. So yeah, man. Uh, thank so you awesome. so much for the opportunity to to share my my story, my stuff, and and even listen and learn from you.
0: Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to check out Aaron Guyette's, um leadership service. You can head over to leaders of for battle ropes education and exercises, battleropes.org. And for the process, an eight day undertaking for civilian men to facilitate post traumatic growth. You can go to the special forces and I'll be sure to leave all those links, including links to his social media accounts, in the show notes. If you guys would like to support the show, please rate review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you happen to listen to it, and pick up a hat or a shirt at becominghumanpodcast.com. Till next week, thanks, y'all.